Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, it's Tuesday, 10th of September. I'm Andy Brassel, she's Jules Breach, and this is Jules and Andy on Football Ramble Daily. Already you've seen the opening season, you've got a Man City derby, uh, Manchester derby, sorry, uh, straight away that adds a whole, a whole dynamic to, to the league, to the group. He scores, he sets up. You know, you name a better number nine in the world right now for me, I don't think there is one. There's been Silva, there's been Mazzari. A manager will take them so far, and if it's success or if it's not, they'll change it. How was your weekend, Jules? Saw you on the telly. Hey, did you? Were you watching? I, well, I, I saw some of it later. Oh, so you weren't watching. Well, the, the thing is, <laughs> I, I was I was trying, trying. I saw... You're a busy man, Andy. I understand. No, I'm not making excuses. I was trying very hard to avoid Milton Keynes versus Wimbledon. So I had to assume a respectable distance from the television. It's a weird thing, isn't it, for your team to be on television and yet you actively avoid it. It's very true. But my weekend was brilliant. I loved it. I had such a great time at the Manchester Derby at the Etihad. We'll talk more about the Women's Super League a bit later on. How was your international break? Obviously, your team still play, so it's kind of all right for you. Uh, yeah, although, like I said, I didn't watch it. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was it was it was good. You can I still see the score coming though, and watch highlights, right? Yeah, yeah, I didn't do that either. Uh, but yeah, Are you a hater right now. You're just not following it at all. Oh, no, it's, it's it's just it's just Milton Keynes. It's, it's nothing to do with how how Wimbledon are playing. It, for, for me, it's not really a real match. I mean, if they beat us six nil, I feel we're still better than them in every way that counts. And I think most of football feels the same. If we win six nil, our club still got nicked. So it, it really doesn't change anything um, in terms of where Wimbledon are in the table. I, I would have liked for us to have the points, but. 
it's nice that it's out of the way, really. And uh, yeah, I, I didn't really, I didn't really want to. I couldn't enjoy it as a as a television spectacle. I would have watched literally anything else, <laughs> including Cash in the Attic. <laughs> Although that doesn't happen on Saturdays, of course. Um, either way, I, I did have a good weekend. I enjoyed some women's football myself. I went to see Lewis women play Crystal Palace down in my on, ends. In yeah, my end. ex- exactly in your ends, and it was it was fantastic, really entertaining. There, of course, in the championship and. The really real face of that league has has changed since Manchester United and and Tottenham were promoted. And speaking to some people, I think there was some trepidation at the start of the season with two such big names going up, how it would affect the club. But in fact, the general manager down at Lewis, Maggie Murphy, who we've got a forthcoming ramble mix with, which is going to be fascinating. I strongly recommend you you look out for that. Um, She was telling me that the crowd they had for the Palace game on Sunday was double the one they had for Palace last year. Wow. So it's on the up and up. It and goes to show, doesn't it? That yes. The crowds are growing. They're increasing. Yeah, and Lewis is such an incredibly inclusive experience. Of course, they're the first club to pay men and women the, the same. You can find out loads more about it in, in that forthcoming uh, Ramble meets. But um, either way, I know I had a better weekend than the Manchester City groundsman after you put loads of horrible divots No, in I didn't. I actually wore chunky heels for any of the girls listening. Oh, that's thoughtful. They uh, they don't cause holes in the ground. And is that also, right? around the edge of most football pitches it's not real grass anyway and no, that's where we no. were broadcasting from so you get away with it and I knew that at the Etihad so do, it was do not, fine Do not take a pair of Astros in your bag? Absolutely not they do not go with my outfits Andy Right fair enough <laughs> and also when you've got tall pundits to work with I'm only five foot two. I need mm. all the help I can get so heels are necessary Is it my imagination or do you work with a lot of goalkeepers? I do work. Yeah. I mean, I'm with Mark Schwarzer basically every other week. So yeah. I'm, 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 I actually, with for that, have heels as well as a stool. I'm right. not joking. I actually have to stand on like a two inch thing on the floor right. to just raise me up that little bit more. Otherwise, we just, you can't frame us in a shot together on camera. <laughs> and every time we get the stool out, all the other broadcasters, you know, you, you'll have seen it if you go to matches and they're televised, all the broadcasters kind of line up pitch side. And I get my little stool out and stand on it and everyone along the line just looks over and just shakes their head at me. It's not very fair, is it? No, out of order. I'll I tell you what, though. A lot of people really enjoyed it. It was a terrific match. Terrific winning goal, of, of, of course, as well. And um, we've had some mail about it um, from Gareth. Thanks, Gareth. It says, uh, hey, guys, I was here at the Etihad on sun- Saturday for the Manchester Derby. I'm a United Women's season ticket holder and was last year as well. Being at the Etihad, it felt as if you were really part of something special. 31,200 people is a staggering amount for people at a WSL game, especially when you consider it's almost six times the previous record set mm. by Arsenal last True. season. We said that all the hype and TV audiences for the World Cup need to translate into attendances in the WSL and it looks as if something has gotten over to people. It was really nice to see such a range of fans, men, women and families all in attendance. I suppose the test now is if Manchester City can attract 7,000 of the 31,200 to the Academy Stadium across the road, which is a very nice facility, of course, and see how many Man United can get out to Lee Sports Village I'd love nothing more than to see all far, uh, four sides of that ground open and rocking. And um, yeah, Gareth finishes by saying, uh, love everything you do. Keep it up. Thank you, Gareth. Thank you, Gareth. It was an amazing atmosphere at the Etihad on, on Saturday. 
I mean, he says it all there, really, to have such a huge crowd off the back of what was a brilliant summer for for women's football out in France and particularly for the England team getting to the semi-finals. This Mm. is what we hoped for. This is what we wanted and what we want to see now uh, in the WSL. We want to see big crowds and we want to see our women's teams playing at their male equivalent grounds because we Mm. saw it this weekend at at the Etihad, we had the Manchester Derby. At Stamford Bridge, Chelsea played against Tottenham. And we're going to see later on, uh, also, uh, I forget to mention, Bristol City. They had uh, their game against Brighton at Ashton Gate as well, which still had a decent crowd of over 3,000 there as well. So we've seen some huge crowds already. And I know that in um, in the coming weeks of the season, Tottenham and West Ham have both uh, are both going to have fixtures played at the London Stadium and at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium as well, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah, it, it is. And um, it's something that Susie Rack talked about in, in The Guardian, actually. The, the fact that for women's football to take the step up consistently, it has to be played in the big stadiums. And she's absolutely right. Another point she made, actually, that I wanted to bring up with you is um, the fact that, of course, a lot of people saw the, the, the Chelsea Tottenham game on Sunday. The sold-out signs were outside Stamford Bridge, although... Technically, it wasn't sold because they gave the tickets away. Now, Susie's an excellent writer and well worth reading in The Guardian was saying she's a bit split about this. You know, the idea of saying that maybe implying that something doesn't have value. On the other side of that, I think you look at, say, Manchester City, for example, who tickets got an even sold. bigger crowd yeah. and that they were they were they were going for, for, for seven pound a pop, weren't they? Which kind of makes it affordable for, for families, new supporters, the curious. Where do you stand on this? What Chelsea did? I'm I'm kind kind of similar to Susie, really, because I can understand where she's coming from and feeling slightly split about it. Because what we don't want is for the game to be devalued. And I was looking at Twitter comments. I know that's not the best place to see reviews of things, but naturally that's what we do. We're inquisitive. We want to see what mm. what people are saying about about. Um, about the weekend's fixtures in in the women's Super League, and, and it is what people say straight off the top of their heads as well. Yeah, and. I, there were a few comments saying, well, you can't brag about this attendance when the tickets were free and mm. you were giving away 40,000 tickets and only 24-odd thousand turned up. But now, that's still that's still 24,000 people taking time out of their weekend to actually Precisely, come. exactly. And they're choosing to go to watch a women's football game, which we haven't seen this in the past, any crowds of this size in the league. The highest WSL attendance was actually last year, which was just over 5,000 at the Amex when Mm. Arsenal lifted the title of the WSL. And um, that was obviously against Brighton. That was 5,000. We're talking about 31,000 at the Etihad. We're talking about 24,000 football fans at Stamford Bridge. The average attendance in the WSL last season was only around 800 and odd people each weekend. So to see these huge numbers, tens of thousands of football fans, and you mention it as well, and I think Gareth points it out in his email as well. These aren't just females coming to watch. These are men, women, children, you know, all different ages, all different. It's it's just amazing to see. And I was walking around at the Etihad and just looking at all the different fans that were coming in, different races, different ages, families coming together. It just made me feel really happy and proud to be part of that because mm. we, we are in a stage now where I think the women's great game will continue to grow and this season is hugely important for the profile and the development of the WSL and it's off to a brilliant start with seeing these attendances. Yes, I can see where some people are coming from, you know, 
Chelsea gave away some of those tickets for free. But if you can get these crowds there, there shows that's, that there's an interest and people want to go. And hopefully, off the back of that experience at Stamford Bridge, next time, some of those 24,000 will go and pay for a ticket. And that's the purpose. Exactly. I, I don't see what's wrong with promoting it at, at all, personally. If it was free every week, yeah, maybe there'd be a, an issue. Although, personally, I'd already, always rather give away tickets than the ground be empty or seats be empty. Um, but I think this has come along at quite an opportune time, actually, for, for English football in particular. I mean, we've seen how powerful it is when we've seen big matches in, in France between Lyon and Paris Saint-Germain, big ones in Spain between Atletico who are on the up and up against against Barcelona. And you know, what an incredible spectacle it is to any situation where you get that many people inside a, a stadium is a is a special one I think this is really important for English football fans right now not just because it's good for women's football although that's important as well but I think when you speak to people younger people and figure out what their impression of fandom is is coming further and further away from being in the stadium which is the best part of it. And when you see, as you say, especially the under 10s coming to games, and for, for me, I, I look at my kids, for example, watching football on telly doesn't really make sense to them. You'd rather watch the programs that you want to watch, be it like Pokemon or Ninja Turtles or Don't whatever talk about else. Pokemon. I'm already scarred from Pete singing yesterday on Football <laughs> Ramble, on Monday's Football Ramble. That song. For some of us, that was a highlight. <laughs> but uh, when you're in the stadium, it's different because the actual football, yeah, it's great, but it's a small part of the experience. And everyone who has, has been to football once, let alone people who go regularly, know what that is. I'm quite concerned, I've been quite concerned for a while, that there's just a whole generation, maybe even more than one generation, that's totally priced out of going to football in this country. It's an issue. It's an issue that the clubs either can't or won't deal with in the Premier League. Um, although you have had the 20s plenty campaign, of course, which for regular away fans is is, is, is really important. But on the whole, I think for especially working class people... Football is really bloody expensive. Really expensive. Too expensive. And for this to have a window, to have an opportunity to go to elite sport, to know what it's about, to absorb the atmosphere for a whole generation for that for whom that would not be possible. I mean, when in the late 80s and early 90s when I was at school, if you were having an argument with someone about football at school, you would go, well, or, all right, um... Do you go to the games? And they go, no. And go, all right, your opinion doesn't count then. But but that doesn't wash anymore because not only you, can you watch your team every week on television, but it's unrealistic how many kids can go to the game every week. You can't. You just can't. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Here's a cool fact. 
A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. For me, he, he ticks every box. You know, I think uh, he's he's good at everything. You know, but he's got that he's got that eye for goal. He's he's so selfish with it, and in, in a good way. Like I say, I, I don't have any doubt that he will go on and surpass all all records, and he will be setting them. So we both had quite enjoyable international breaks, Andy. Yeah. Me being at the Manchester derby, you going to watch Lewis down in Brighton, oh. and we we were asking whether we thought the international breaks were brilliant or whether they were boring. Usually, I would say it's pretty boring because normally I have the weekends off mm. when there's an international break and I don't tend to get up to much. I just use it as kind of rest time. But obviously, yeah. this was totally different because WSL scheduled the matches for this first international break to be the opening of the season. But what what, what about the international football it, it, itself? I mean, I, I don't know. I felt it was a a little bit of a, a, a fallow international break. Not, I'm a huge fan of international football. But what I felt watching the international games this weekend and full credit to England, who did a great job against Bulgaria. But I think when you look at where they are, where Spain are, having won all six of their qualification games so far, when you look at where Italy are, having won all of their qualification games so far, um, Belgium in the same boat, France had a little slip up in Turkey in the summer, but they're going to qualify easily. I, the first thing I thought is I, I miss the Nations League and what a great idea it was. I never thought I'd hear anyone say that because the Nations League was billed as this, what is this thing last year, wasn't it? But and from the off, it felt engaged. The players were into it. The fans were into it. I mean, I went to England, Croatia. I didn't at the match there the last last November. Is that where you bought those socks you're wearing? Because you were telling me that you, <laughs> that you bought 
these rascal socks that you're wearing today, which, by the way, I'll describe them to you because I know you can't see these. They're like a dirty mustard colour. Yeah. <laughs> they were so horrible I had to get them. No, I bought them in Croatia. Oh, right. Okay. Not, not, from, not, Wem- for, not from Wembley not, Outlet. Not from England v Croatia. There's, there's, no, there's no blame game uh, involving <laughs> British retail here. Um, yeah, and the, the atmosphere was so different to not just a friendly, but a qualifier. So for me, this international break, it was the fact that the qualifiers, which have been shortened because of the Nations League, nevertheless, it's been thrown into sharp relief how incredibly futile a lot of them feel. And also, I think it's the placement of this international break. Now, I realise it's difficult to fit in international football and there needs to be room for it. But when you've got two games of the Serie A season down, like four in Germany, four in France. Four here. It, it, it's, it's just too soon, isn't it, to break? We're not ready to break. Because when the season starts, especially after what was such a busy summer with the Women's World Cup and various other tournaments, British involvement in, in, in Euro qualifiers from quite an early stage. And it, I think for a lot of football fans I spoke to, it felt like the Premier League season crept up a little bit on them. So you're not ready for it. And then... By game two, you're like, oh, yeah, it's good, it's good. And, and then it stopped. I get excited when England are playing, but I think you're right. It's the timing of this international break. It is. A, it feels a little bit too soon into the season. Normally, I'm not complaining because, as I've mentioned already, it normally means I get the weekend off when there's an international yes. break. But this, this time it wasn't. But usually, I get really excited to watch England play. Yeah, this one just feels quite soon. It's four weeks into the season. We've all, you know got into the Premier League and it just feels like it's getting to a point where the stories are starting to develop. We're starting yes. to know who's, you know, the patterns of this season, who's in form, who's not, the struggles. And we'll talk about some of the um, managerial casualties in a bit as well. But it's starting to get to that point where the stories are unfolding and then you're like, oh, no football for what feels like forever. Having said that, someone say it's the perfect point in the season for players to go back to their native countries, say really indiscreet stuff to the local press. <laughs> and then when it breaks over here, go, oh, I didn't say that. I had no, Even no, though I've, I've been recorded it. saying it, I definitely didn't <laughs> say it. So are you club or country? I'm country, I think. It's a, it's a really tough question, but if you're pushing me on it, I am country over club. Really? I want England to win the World Cup in my lifetime. If Brighton right. don't win the Premier League in my lifetime, I can live with that. But in my lifetime... Am I going to have to break it to you? <laughs> in my lifetime, I want England to win the World Cup. Look at what it did for our country last summer. And the, the hardest thing for me, which mm. is why I'm so passionate about this, is I wasn't here. I wasn't in the bloody country. I'm bashing on the desk now <laughs> because it was it was one of the worst summers of my life, as well as it being one of the best. I got the opportunity to cover a World Cup as a broadcaster, as a football fan. That is one of the best things I could have ever imagined doing in it's my a career. Pinnacle of thoughts, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And I never thought I'd get to do it that early on in my career. So to be offered that opportunity to go to Australia and 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 broadcast the World Cup for an Australian broadcaster, Optus Sport, it was obviously a no-brainer. I went out there, I had a, an amazing work experience, mm. but I was sat there every single day looking at Instagram stories of all my mates and all my family and all my friends and everyone just having the best summer. Obviously, there was a heat wave as well. I missed that because it was Australian winter. So I'm watching all of that unfold. I'm watching 
all of my friends out watching the games on big screens, at Hyde Park, everywhere, you know, what it was like at Box Park and all places around London, watching this amazing togetherness and these celebrations. People that don't even like football were out watching football. I've yeah. got girl mates who, who don't care about football. I, I meet up with them on Sundays and I'm like, can we go to the pub that shows the football? And they're like, oh. And so they were even out watching the football. Mm. You cannot beat that. And that is why I think I've been quite passionate about this, actually. Uh, I'm country over club, clearly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, you do have a quite particular experience watching England when you're on the road during a tournament. I, I remember us watching uh, the, the England-Tunisia game. It was the opener, wasn't it, of the, of the World Cup. Um, in this... I was in a studio in Sydney. Were you? <laughs> of course I, I was. I was. I didn't get to see any of it. I, I, was, I was watching it in a, yeah. in a bar restaurant um, that looked like a quite sort of foreboding, a foreboding uh, roadhouse, just in a satellite town just outside Moscow, and um, yeah, there were about three people in there. Um, we were having steak and chips, and th- there was some weird auto shut off on the projector. Like they had a projector projecting it on the wall. There was a dead bear on one wall what? and the football <laughs> on the other. And the thing was that there was an auto shut off on the projector. So someone had to ke- keep poking it back on every 10 minutes. And when I say someone, I mean you. me because you were the only one I'm, interested. I'm, and I'm quite tall. Whereas Fair. the the waiter, she was shorter than you. So it was, it was never, e- it was never even a, a possibility of, of, of that happening. So, you know, England would be on the attack and all of a sudden it would go off and I'd have to get up <laughs> on my tippy toes and like prod the ceiling while this dead bear looked at me judgmentally. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. I mean, imagine being in Australia where you have basically are surrounded by Australians and I didn't realise how much they hate us English people until the World Cup they really didn't want us to do very well and because I'm working for well that's not very supporting is it because I'm working for an Aussie broadcaster I obviously wanted Australia to do well because it's good for the channel it's good for the broadcast and and, you know I want I want to make friends I don't want everyone to hate me over there so I'm like come on Australia go go on the Socceroos and uh no other English people around I had one other English person Michael Bridges who was one of my pundits he's an absolute ledge I just loved working with him he was so much fun but it was just us two against the rest of the crew (laughs) and obviously because we were doing quite well we'd be singing it's coming home and all of that stuff and yeah they just no everyone hated us because we were doing well and it yeah it's just a good experience but I wish I was over here for it all I I, I know where you're coming from um, but for me, it's interesting. We were talking to the Godfather, Luke Moore, about this earlier, and he was saying he did a poll on one of his talk sport shows, and he asked, club or country? Of course, this is in the thick of the international break. 81% said club. That's insane. That is that is but I, I th- a whitewash. I think that's, that's context as well. Like we were saying, it's the fact that people have got their noses put out of joint by the fact that the Premier League's only just started. They just got into it, only to be wrenched out of it. I think it's the fact that you know, with certainly uh, Kosovo might give England a, a little bit more of a game tonight, and I, th- I think they probably will. But England, Bulgaria, you know, you knew what was going to happen, and that is not an edifying football experience for for anyone. But for me, absolutely, it's it's, it's club all the way. I don't know if it's a bit because I watched cricket when quite a lot when I was a kid, and there you know it's made totally explicit that country's ahead of club because they play concurrently. So like 
if if you've got an ideal team to win the county championship, or certainly it was the case when when I was I was going to watch Surrey all the time when I was a kid at the Oval. You want a team full of England A players, full of players who are good, but not quite good enough to get in the England team. Because if your team's too good, they'll all get taken away by England, and you know because you're playing at the same time. It's it's not a it's not about balancing club and country. And people talk about what big thing that is in football. Well, in cricket, if you've got like five England players, you're totally stuck, aren't you? So, get, whereas like the way I look at yeah, football and the way I, the way I look at the England team, yeah, it's 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 nice if they win. It makes nice. my friends it makes my friends happy, all that sort of stuff. But frankly, if you're asking me, and not just because Wimbledon have started the season poorly, would I trade? Uh, and England winning the World Cup for like, you know, a scratchy 1-0 win over Rochdale. Absolutely. I would take the win over Rochdale. you take one league win yeah. Yeah. over a World Cup win for your country? Yeah. yeah, of course. It's Wimbledon. Come on. Andy, no. Yes. This, no, I'm not having that at all. Do, do you one know, league do you win. know how even, infrequently not, we win at the moment? Not just winning the... I get, I, I'd maybe understand it a bit more if you said for them to get promoted or get to the Premier League or something. But, yeah, I suppose, but I suppose that's the question. What, what is more likely, Wimbledon winning League One or Brighton winning the Premier League? Probably Brighton winning the Premier League this season. Nah. Well, yeah. Yeah. But, but neither. It's, it's, touch, it's touch and go, really, isn't it? <laughs> the thing is, is I was having, weirdly enough, I was having this discussion with my mate about three weeks ago. She's a massive Manchester United fan. Her whole family have been... Man United for her whole life ever since she was born so she's basically been brainwashed uh, <laughs> she's been brought up that way that, that um, is how football supporters are created <laughs> and uh, we had this discussion because she is very much club over country she said that I mean we weren't even going as as kind of low down as just winning one league game because obviously United win a lot of games she said that she would rather Man United do, it was actually, would, would you rather United win the double, the Champions League and the league, the Premier League, over England winning the World Cup? And she said she'd take the double all day long. Yeah, that's fair enough, I think. Um, I asked her whether she'd win rather win the league or the World Cup and she was still the league over over England winning the World Cup and I couldn't get over it. I, I just I just can't get that. But, but your, your club is something you live with every single day, isn't it? But your country is where you're from and if... Yeah, but you, you you haven't chosen that. By the sounds of it, your friend hasn't chosen United either. No. <laughs> it's, it is, I mean, I, I take both sides of the discussion. I, I Actually, it's a really good point. You you know, you follow your club week in, week out. England kind of sits in the background until they play and then you get behind them. So it's, it is slightly different. But... I mean, it's like why people are so unreasonable when their clubs criticise, be it on a radio show or Twitter or whatever, because for a lot of people, when you criticise someone's club, even or even in a way that's considered or, or, or is ostensibly a criticism, it feels like to a lot of people that you're criticising them personally, that you're criticising the very fibre of their being, their belief system, who they are. She was making the point, my mate, my United support friend, that it's because the players that play for England play for clubs that she hates. So she can't, yeah. she can't back the Liverpool players that play for England. So if Trent Alexander-Arnold starts I'll, England, I'll tell you what, she really would have fitted in for Sven's England. <laughs> if he, <laughs> I should if have he, had her in midfield instead of Gerard or Lampard. If, if he scores or he, you know, gets an assist or whatever, mm. you know, she's like, yeah, good, well done, happy days. Mm. But she's not buzzing. 
It's the same if Harry Kane scores. She's like, yay, great, Harry Kane scored. Well done, England won the lap. Mm. But she's not absolutely buzzing. If Rashford scores, she's like, come on. So it's weird. She still has her United allegiance, even though they're in England shirts. And that's why she doesn't get as behind England as she could, because they play for teams that she hates. And she said that she can't get into her head how one week she hates Harry Kane and then the next week she has to support him. Do you think that's more of a thing nowadays because people are generally more partisan and that's something that's stoked by television and social media? I mean, it's funny. I was speaking like a while back to my wife's uncle about this and he used to go and watch... He used to have season tickets for Newcastle and Sunderland, I guess in the 60s, wow. late 60s, early 70s. And he would go and watch... Well, that's the thing. Wow. But I don't think it was a wow then. I think if if you wanted to go and watch football, you wanted to go and watch football. And, you know, it's like I have uh, friends in France who used to have ticket, season tickets for Lyon and Saint-Étienne, which is absolutely unthinkable hmm. now. And, you know, when did we when did we come away from that? Well, I guess... Was it, was it when football became more Hollywood, more box office? Or maybe it's when... I mean, some people never would have considered that, of course. There'll be, there'll be people sitting here going, well, if, if, if it was me in the 70s, I, I never would have gone to watch like, Liverpool when I'm an Everton fan or whatever. And fair, fair enough. Yeah. But, you know, there is a certain, you know, mania to it that maybe didn't exist like 20, 30 years ago. Yeah, I think that, that definitely will still exist now, won't, won't it? But mm. it's... Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting discussion because I can't imagine that there would be anyone now that lives in Liverpool, for example, that would, oh yeah, one week I'll go to Everton, the next week I'll go to Liverpool. Well, too expensive, isn't it? <laughs> that is true as well. Right, now there's no better time than an international break, is there, Jules, to fire your manager oh. or, or get a new one. And there's a lot of clubs getting into the, the spirit of this. I mean, it was obvious it was going to be Watford, right? Not not just because, that, you know, there's nothing wrong with losing 3-0 to Brighton, of, of, of course, on that the opening exactly day. That's exactly what happened. That they, they, I mean, as so soon as that happened, as... they were like, hang on a minute here, we're going to have to sack Grazia. So, so much has, has happened since then. You think that's like less than a month ago. And now having Grazia is off. And Florian Andone plays for Galatasaray. It's funny because actually since that game, we've probably seen more of what the real Brighton are going to be like this season. Um, the 3-0 scoreline in that first match against Watford was probably quite flattering to Brighton, in fairness. Mm. Um, but yeah, it is funny. We're only four weeks into the season and already a Premier League manager has been sacked. I, I don't I don't condone these early sackings. I don't mm. like it. And I think particularly for Javi Grazia, he's done a fantastic job at Watford. And I thought that the fans were all really behind him and quite liked him. And we had um, Mike Parkin from the Rookery End, which is a really great um, Watford podcast. Yeah, We had him on the BT Sports show last a uh, couple weekends ago talking about just before the Newcastle match. Yes, And I said to him, you know, in the past, whenever Watford have sacked managers quite quickly, as fans, you've always actually backed the board and backed their decisions. And he said, yeah, we have. But he said he wanted Grazia to be given a bit more time. However, he still completely backs the board and says, if if he were to be sacked, we trust them. We have faith in them. Well, it's, it's never backfired on them before. I mean, what, have they gone through like 10 managers in seven years or something like that? And... No, they've never really paid any consequences for it. And I think the way that Watford are run under the Pozzos, I mean, 
It's incredible in like, an age of like fiscal irresponsibility how they've established a club, not just got a club in the Premier League, but established. I mean, they've never been in proper relegation trouble since they've been up. It's it's absolutely incredible. Well, they are now, so perhaps that's why they've sacked yeah, him. The table table doesn't count until eight games in. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't look great though. Being no, bottom of no, the no, table, no, no. particularly when they started last season so well. I tell you, who does look great, Kike Sanchez Flores. He does. He's a handsome gentleman, he is, isn't he's, he? Quite. I'm just literally staring at a photo of him now, and he's looking at me. <laughs> With those those come to bed eyes, I shouldn't say that out loud, should I? <laughs> um, no, yeah, he's, he's a good looking fella. But but you say that about about Watford, um, yeah, nine managers since they sacked Gianfranco Zola in two thousand in December two thousand and thirteen. That's a lot of managers to go through in that time. You look at all the other clubs around, and they would always they every other club would argue for stability and argue for having a manager that can kind of take the team further. But Watford seemed to have a completely different theory. But as you say, it's, it works. But is, is that not quite old-fashioned, the idea that a manager is stability? Whereas, I, I don't know, if you look at other clubs and elite European clubs, I, I don't know, like Bayern Munich and Lyon and clubs like that, for, for them, it's, it's not the manager, it's their head coach. It's the head coach because he's just another employee. And I think the players get that. As long as the players get that, that's absolutely fine. I, I, I don't think you really have a problem. But right, if your stability is upstairs, and that's what it is with Watford, isn't it? It's the board. Mm. It's Scott Duxbury. That's their stability. And I think everyone knows what it is for, for, for the coach to, to be the coach of Watford. I suppose the only thing with Javi Gracia is he'd signed a new deal a while ago, presumably with no more than one month's notice due when they fired him, <laughs> even if it was two or three years. That's a strange thing, isn't it? I think that because of historically how Watford operate, that was quite a surprise for him to to have that extension on his contract. And yeah. I think he will feel a sense of injustice now because he took the, the club to the FA Cup final and yes, they were thrashed. And maybe there's a bit of a hangover from that, but... He's he's been amazing for them. The finish they had in the Premier League last season, getting to an FA Cup final, that's that's a really good place to be. For what it's worth, with what was written about in the weeks after that, in the days and weeks after that, I think Manchester City got more stick for winning that cup final yeah, than, than Watford did. did for losing it. What I also liked about that that loss for Watford is that it made Brighton look slightly better for only losing 1-0 in the semi-final. Yeah, heroic effort. <laughs> Thank a- you. Absolutely heroic effort. Talking of heroic efforts, of course, we've had uh, the Cowley brothers moving. Um, what a team to Huddersfield. they are. They certainly are, aren't they? They really are. Just... Have, have they made the right move going to Huddersfield, though? Uh, well, I expected them to go to Sheffield Wednesday because when I saw that they were linked with the Wednesday job, I thought, ooh, that's quite interesting because they've actually got you know, an outside chance of getting into the playoffs this year. They've started the season okay under Lee Bull and Sheffield Wednesday. It's difficult not to look at Wednesday and think sleeping giant. Mm. I, I, obviously, there are some financial issues there. And, you know, I think the Cowleys are maybe astute enough to f- for that to have factored into their decision. Uh, but, yeah, Huddersfield aren't looking in prime shape at the moment either, are they? Not at all. They're in the bottom three in the championship. I think they've only got a point so far. Mm yet to win obviously and this is going to be a really tough job for for the Cowley brothers now because they've got a lot to turn around at that club they've got a lot to change they've got it's going to be a it's going to be a tough ask for I I, I don't think they're going to 
make anything of Huddersfield this season. I think you can overlook... It's got to be a long-term plan, hasn't it? Absolutely, it does. And I think you can overlook how deeply entrenched failure can become. And, you know, you look at those players and the the atmosphere around the, the club. I mean, they've been losing for a long time. That's very, very hard to... To get over, isn't it? Yeah, there'll be a, there'll be a lot of physical, physical. There'll be a lot of what's the word? Psychological. Yeah, yeah. There'll be a lot of psychological. <laughs> can't get my words out today. There'll be a lot of psychological help that will be needed with the players to kind of lift the mood back up and get the camaraderie in the team and and all of that stuff. And I think that sometimes that's probably the harder part of the job as a coach than, Definitely. than the rest of it. Because well, well, Julian Nagelsmann of, of Leipzig quite famously said that uh, coaching is 30% tactics and 70% social competence. And I would be on board with that. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, the Cowley brothers have proven in the past that they are good man managers. They, yeah. you know... What they achieved with Lincoln is nothing short of amazing. Back-to-back promotions, you know, getting from the National League up to League Two, then to League One. Um, you know, as if as Lincoln fans, I'm sure they will be looking at it thinking, fair play. You know, they were going to leave at some stage because there's only so far that they could have taken Lincoln. And the Cowley brothers themselves have said, you know, we felt like this was an opportunity too big to be missed. How do you know if anything like this is going to happen again? Also, you've got a strike while while you're hot. Yeah. At the same time, you know, they it's a bit like the Lampard-Chelsea thing. Lampard probably would have been offered the Chelsea job in his future, but while he was really wanted and while Chelsea were at a stage where it was the best time for him to go there, he went. It's probably similar for the Cowley brothers. You Moments know. are fleeting, aren't they? Yeah, everyone's yeah. talking about them right now. They've just had a couple of brilliant seasons with Lincoln. And I do think that, who knows, we'll have to wait and see whether it's, they chose the right club. But they're going to be off to a quite tough start because they've got a Yorkshire derby as their first match. And Against? That's Sheffield Wednesday. Obviously. The Cowley brothers could have gone. But of course, they're now managed by another new manager, Gary Monk. Yeah, no, that that'd be interesting. I'll I'll watch out for that. I don't watch a whole load of Championship football, but the only thing I would say is that REM have played uh, live <laughs> at Huddersfield <laughs> Stadium, which is uh, pretty good, isn't at it? The John Smiths. John Smiths is it nowadays? Great name. Actually, is it still the John Smiths? I might have got that wrong. I'm what, sure it used to be. I, I tell you what, all stadia are vulnerable to sponsorship. I remember when. Uh, York City were it's playing the worst at the, one. York City were playing at the Kit Kat Crescent uh, once it. once upon a time. <laughs> That's I mean, amazing. That, that was something else. I'll tell you what, Jules, you've played a blinder today. So I, I think you probably deserve a, a bit of uh, fan mail praise. Oh, so uh, this one's from uh, Richard Adele and it says, uh, Jules and Andy, firstly, I'm a massive fan of the Football Ramble podcast and I love that they're in our shows every day. Uh, in particular, your show on a Tuesday is great. Oh, thanks so much, thanks, Richard. Richard. And this is fascinating. He says, I'm an English teacher in an international school in Lima, Peru. I just wanted to tell you that I've been using your podcast uh, from 27th of August in my class as we are discussing racism, sexism and classism. We've been using sections of the podcast in class to prepare for their oral assessment in a few weeks. Unfortunately, uh, Peru has very, in inverted commas, traditional mm-hmm. views with regards to women in society and sports. So your views and your opinions are celebrated by the young people who felt empowered by your comments and wish to grow up in a society with greater equality. So keep up the good work. And I expect my students to be quoting you in a few weeks when they complete their assessment. That's from Richard in Lima. Oh, thanks so much, Richard. Love, that is, that is lovely. That. 
I love the thought of our little voices just being played out in a classroom in Peru. I really like the thought of there being, uh, uh, we've got to think about extending the Jules and Andy branding. Mm-hmm. What do you reckon? Jules and Andy York notes. <laughs> do you reckon that could be next? <laughs> I'm well up for that. I never thought I'd say this, but uh, Andy, we're big in Peru. (laughs) And of course, you can be big on this show. Uh, You can uh, tweet us your feedback and comments and stuff you'd like us to discuss at Jules Breach, at Andy Brassel, and of course, Jules and Andy at footballrambledaily.com. Yes, thanks for listening. We'll be back same time, same place next week. Cheers, Andy. Cheers. This was a Stakhanov production. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.